Hello and welcome to State of Crime. Two murders, one state. I messed it up again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Lots of crime. This is what Ka- you get for drinking too much wine before we do this. Don't tell with Kaylin and Elena. So welcome back. Yes. Yes. So today we are doing a state that just a couple weeks ago was all over in their news with their embattled governor. And we're actually recording this as that is blowing up and going on so by the time you hear this Virginia may have a new governor so we'll see what happens with that I but watch the news. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about that's okay so my case today is again dealing with some murderous women this case Yay. plural and it was suggested by you as many of my cases have been and I just feel like I need to give you a little bit of a shout out because I feel like this podcast has been a very uneven sort of endeavor where Kaylin does almost all the work <laughs> and I just show up once a week and talk into a microphone. So. <laughs> but Kaylin's been responsible for our Facebook page and our Twitter and our Instagram. Do not give me the Twitter because I, <laughs> I did nothing. I, I made it. That's as so, far as I went. But this has been her brainchild. She came up with our super amazing logo and I just feel like I needed to make sure that you understood how much I appreciate all the work you do for us. Well I also won't take all the credit for the logo. I have some pretty awesome friends who I stood there and I was like that looks good. It's beautiful. And they just kind of messed around with it however they did it and I was like cool thanks. I still stare (laughs) at it. I love it. So anyway so this week in the tradition of Lavinia from South Carolina who was innocent never killed anybody Paula, whose crimes were not right, but understandable given her circumstances. These three women for Virginia are just, there's no redeeming them. So we'll talk about the Black Sisters of Christiansburg, Virginia. I'm excited because I did find this, I did find this case, but in what I do when I find, if I find cases that I think you will like... I read just like the bare minimum and I'm like, ooh, she'll like that. Don't look at it anymore. Because I like not knowing about it before you talk. Right. You know what I mean? I like it being new to me. Yes. Like it's new to everybody else. Most of the other people that are listening. And just so our listeners know, Kaylin and I have kind of an unspoken agreement that that's what we will do with our cases. We try not to tell each other too much before we record so that our reactions are... You, you know, yeah. You, yeah, they're unrehearsed, I guess. So They're genuine. They're genuine. All right, so this was also, we ran into a little bit of a problem here. So when Kaylin and I first started talking about the fact that we were going to focus on one state each week and do the two episodes, we did discuss, well, what if we're doing a serial killer who moved around a lot, which can become problematical. And that's kind of what's happened with this case. The bulk of what I'm going to tell you today actually takes place up in New Jersey but these three sisters are very tightly tied to the community of Christiansburg Virginia and they are even often referred to as the black sisters of Christianburg so that gets tied to their name and it's mainly because their family was deeply ensconced in Virginia had been going back prior to the Revolutionary War And as is often the case, this was one of the reasons they got away with their crimes for so long. This is also one of those tales that 
readers who are of my generation and, and maybe some young ones like you might be aware of a writer named V.C. Andrews who was very famous in late 70s, the 80s for writing just these crazy insane books that were full of incest and murder and all kinds of sick crimes and her most famous was probably her first called Flowers in the Attic and I know hey that sounds familiar I've never read it (laughs) I know they made a tv show out of it but I've never watched yeah and I know over on My Favorite Murder which is one of my very favorite podcasts they actually did a book club where they read one of her books and everything and so but that whole southern gothic just insanely messed up sort of stuff that you find in Faulkner and other southern writers all takes part in this case as well so yeah this is one of those cases I probably also could have made a two-parter but there's some wonderful books out there there's a lot of stuff on the internet that I would just encourage our listeners to to do a little more research because this one was crazy So our murder actually occurs up in East Orange, New Jersey. On the 29th of November, 1909, Dr. Herbert Simmons is called by the police and he's asked to come to a private home. He enters, it's a fairly large space, but it's unheated, it's very cold inside, especially it's November, and very sparsely furnished. And the police lead him. He finds the body of a 24-year-old woman, although one of the sources that I came across said she was 26. So 24, 26-year-old young woman named O.C. Sneed. Her 80-pound body is found face down in a foot of cold water in her bathtub. Wait a minute. She was between 24 and... We're going to go with 25. Okay. Right smack down the middle. <laughs> And she was 80 pounds? 80 pounds. What? Yes. And there is a photo, if you type in O.C. Sneed, her full name was Oceana Sneed. Um, there's the, the main photo that I kept seeing over and over again was a photo of her from 1907, two years prior. And she just looks like, you know, your typical beautiful little Gibson girl with her hair on top of her head. And she has this very sweet, face she's smiling she's laying in bed she just looks like a lovely lovely little person and this is how she ends up so nearby there is also a note and the note partially part of it reads when you read this I will have committed suicide do not grieve over me rejoice with me that death brings a blessed relief from pain and suffering greater than I can bear. Seems pretty cut and dried, and it is very soon revealed that she had had a daughter a couple of years prior who died at the age of two days. So Sad. Yes. And, you know, it, it is a tragedy, far more common in those days than today, but still quite sad. And... This is November, that prior August, she had given birth to her second child, a little boy, who at this time was only a couple months old, was ill, and had been taken to the hospital by the three women living with O.C., or who had been living with her up to this time, and the baby would never be brought home from the hospital. He dies in July at the age of nine months. Sad. Yes. So this is a story steeped in tragedy. 
Furthermore, O.C. was in fact married. However, she was married, again, this is a southern tale, not to be overly stereotypical, but she was married to her first cousin. And while she was pregnant with this little boy, her husband had run away to Canada, changed his name, and never had any further contact with her. So it seems like this makes sense, right? You have a young woman, she's been through a lot of tragedy in a couple years, she's been abandoned by her husband. Why wouldn't she commit suicide? However, upon closer inspection, one of the things that really bothers Dr. Simmons is of course the condition of her body, the fact that she weighs 80 pounds. And granted, she had been ill, there had been rumors that she had been sick, but still, that's a pretty extreme emaciation. Also, when it was pretty obvious from early on that the handwriting on the letter did not match other sources of her writing, which they were easily able to see. So the police, so, the, so Dr. Simmons and the police ask O.C.'s aunt Virginia Wardlow, a woman of 57 who lived with her, why she had waited 24 hours to call for help, because this was another suspicious thing. Virginia's answer was that O.C. had asked not to be disturbed. Now, I don't know about you and most of our listeners. I cannot imagine living with one of my family members, not seeing them for 24 hours, and them not doing anything. Exactly. And just thinking, oh, well, they don't want to be disturbed, so I'll just leave them alone. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I could see it more if they didn't live together, because right. God knows if I were murdered or killed or died <laughs> by some nature in my own house, it'd probably take weeks before somebody found me. <laughs> so, you know, my, my mother lives with us now, but even prior, I mean, I've lived in the same town as my mom for... I don't know, 12, 13, some, some odd years now. Gosh, no, it's 19. Okay, 19 years. We talk on the phone every single day. So even not living, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't, I, I'd like to think I'm not that. I mean, it, it probably, it, maybe not weeks, but for me it would probably at least a couple of days, if not up to a week, because I go through these phases where I just unplug and I don't want to talk to anybody. Well, yeah, and that makes sense too. But again, they live under the same roof. Yeah, that They know that she's sense. been ill. They know that, you know, she's had all of these tragedies. To not even poke your head into a door seems very strange to me. Yeah. It also seems strange to Dr. Simmons, who does go to the authorities and says, you know, we need to investigate this further. There's something strange going on here. So the police bring in the woman who had called them, this Aunt Virginia Wardlow. From the get-go, she is not cooperative. So they end up arresting her, sticking her in jail as a material witness and leaving her there to make sure that she doesn't go anywhere. And guess what? Soon is revealed that O.C. also had several insurance policies that had been taken out against her life. Of course she did. Yes, and that several relatives had borrowed against them. The final payout, and again, there were varying sources on this. One that I read said that there were three $5,000 life insurance policies. 
Another source claimed that the payout was $32,000, which in today's dollars was almost a million dollars, $890,000. So this was a sizable sum of money that was to be collected upon her death. In addition to her Aunt Virginia, who was living with her, Virginia's two sisters had also been living in the home with O.C. One of them is a woman named Mary Sneed, who is 61. She also happens to be the mother of O.C.'s husband, Fletcher, the one who had run away to Canada. Okay. Like I said, we've got some Southern, you know, the the old joke, if your family tree doesn't fork, right? Okay, so <laughs> so um, Mary Sneed is O.C.'s aunt as well as her mother-in-law. That's yes, a lot. That's strange. And then finally in the home, we have Caroline Martin, age 64. She is O.C.'s own mother. Oh. And very likely... She's the one who planned this whole thing. What? Yes. So the as they investigate, these three Wardlow sisters, as I mentioned at the top, came from a very long line of people who'd been settled in Virginia. They had been a very well-respected family. They're full of ministers, lawyers, doctors, judges. You know, like I said, that whole thing that, you know, when you can trace your family back before the American Revolution. There's a lot of status that people put in that, even today, to a degree. So these three sisters, this the one who, like we said, had called the police Virginia, she had never married. And like me, like our mass shooter in Florida, she had a profession in education. She had been a teacher and had even served as the headmistress of two different girls' schools, one in Tennessee and the other in Virginia. And it's, again, this is where that tie to Virginia comes to. The school in Virginia that she was a part of, I'll I'll talk a little bit more about that, but their family had also been deeply involved with that as well. And it was um, her aunt, Virginia's aunt, had been teaching there, and it was, she's the one who brought Virginia on board to work, so... However, Virginia, up until the job in Virginia, had lost almost every job that she had. And usually what happened was that one, very often both of her sisters would show up, things would get bad, and then she would be asked to leave. So here in New Jersey, we soon find out that these three sisters had in fact been living in this home even though Virginia was the only one that was there when the police showed up. All three of them are arrested. They're charged with first-degree murder and complicity in helping O.C. commit suicide. And I get the feeling that possibly, I don't know why those two separate charges were done that way. I, my, my feeling is the police were trying to cover all their bases, right? Yeah. You know, the, the prosecutor anyway. Just in case they didn't have enough evidence to do the first-degree murder, they at least had the evidence to get on the helping with the suicide. Exactly, exactly. So this is one of those trials that was well-known throughout the country at the time, as you can imagine. It made all the newspapers, and it was decided that O.C., had probably been drugged in some way, probably with morphine, 
there had been reports that Virginia had tried to buy chloroform and had not been successful. And that these three women had basically held her captive in her own home, drugged her up with morphine, and then drowned her in the bathtub. And that they had also been systematically starving her, trying to kill her. Which makes sense on how, how Which, she weighed 80 pounds. 80 pounds. And so the starvation's going to, you're going to see a lot of that in this story. It's very strange. So um, so poor O.C., you know, was murdered by her mother and her aunts for insurance money. And apparently her mother had a long history of abusing her in various ways, sometimes with the help of the two aunts and sometimes not. So these three women are arrested. Virginia is taken to the Trenton Penitentiary. And like I said, this this crime received a lot of national attention. It was all over in the newspapers. It took it a while to move through the courts, probably because of the fame. Sometimes it seems like that slows things down a little bit as people want to be super careful. So she also, though she, while she's being held at the Trenton Penitentiary, it seems that she stops eating so she's taking her food and again she's either hiding it in different places in her cell and then some sources said she was feeding it to the rats and even if she were just hiding it i'm sure that would attract rats so she dies in august of 1910 before she can actually be put on trial and it's not clear whether she succeeded in starving herself to death as they had been doing to oc if it was malnutrition malnutrition or if she just fell ill and then died. So that's not really clear. So the other woman involved in this, her mother, Caroline, um, as they're awaiting trial, she keeps having these outbursts and tirades and all kinds of irrational behavior. So there's a lot of talk that she's going to be ruled unfit, right? That she's going to be, you know, designated to be insane. However, she is brought before a judge and the judge says, no, you're fit for trial. You're going. Good. Yes. So, Good. Although I do think it bears mentioning that hospitals for the insane in 1909, 1910, 1911, the years we're talking about here, very likely were worse than jail. In yeah. prison. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Not that either one of them were good places to be at all, but I I can't imagine that one was necessarily better than the other. I think probably the only advantage would be avoiding death penalty yeah. sorts of stuff. But so Caroline claims that her daughter OC was a morphine addict, that she often talked about suicide and desperately wanted to die. And that she and her sisters were just trying to care for her and help her. But she does say that the night that O.C. died, she, Caroline, gave her her morphine, but accidentally gave her too much. And it was an accident, which I don't buy. No. But anyway. No, no, no. And that she had tried to revive her in this cold bath with the foot of water. And when she realized that O.C. was in fact dead, that they were not going to be able to revive her, she just ran away and hid until the police found her. She was in a hotel, I believe, when they found her and arrested her. If any of that were true, you'd just call the cops yourself. 
you mm-hmm. think, right? It gets better. Okay. So the third person, O.C.'s mother-in-law slash aunt, is acquitted. I don't know exactly how she got off. I I did not find a lot of information about that. I'm sure it's out there. And like I said, there's a great book that you can buy on uh, that you can buy about this case. But um, her mother Caroline did end up pleading guilty, and a lot of people think that she thought if she pled guilty to manslaughter, that she'd be let free. That wasn't the case, she, but she still, her sentence is ridiculous. She was sentenced to seven years on the 23rd of January, 1911. What? Yes. And so even for this time period when people didn't really want to believe, I don't think, you know, there was, I don't know, there was a lot of stuff about, you know, women being the fairer sex and the gentler sex and all of the sorts of things. When she did receive her sentence, she screamed that she did not do it. That it, or that she didn't deserve it, excuse me, that she didn't deserve this sentence. They had to carry her from the courtroom on her chair. She refused to get up from her chair. So they just pick up the chair, carry her out of the courtroom while she's still screaming. And she does, in fact, very shortly after this, she ends up being transferred to an insane asylum. So apparently in prison, whether it's an act, whether it's sincere, she keeps up with this behavior and they do finally institutionalize her. Like her sister, she too stops eating. And on the 20th of June, 1913, she's dead. I wonder if that was like a guilt thing that they did. I instantly regretted saying that out loud. I thought it and then realized <laughs> no. But yeah, I mean, even... Even had O.C. been their only victim, which is what I'm going to get to here in a moment, to forcibly hold a person, and this had been going on for quite some time, and you know, feed them morphine, forcibly starve them, that takes a level of cruelty, possible sociopathy. I don't think these women understand. Not to mention, we, we also haven't talked about Remember we mentioned the, the little boy in the hospital? Mm-hmm. These women had taken him there and basically abandoned him. So as O.C. had declined, they didn't want to be bothered with this baby boy, her own grandson, right, their own grandnephew. So they just take him to this you know, hospital, and he, he's just left there. They abandon him there where he later dies. Oh, my gosh. So, okay. yes. Never mind. I, t- I in, take it back. Right. Not guilt. They're <laughs> so just assholes. The one thing that isn't clear is, you know, does Caroline like Virginia? Is it suicide? Did she actually manage to fully starve herself to death or just make herself ill and hasten her death? So this is where even more comes to light. So as horrific as O.C.'s case is and heartbreaking, these women had left a long trail behind them. Virginia had started teaching at the Montgomery Female College in 1902. This is the the school back in their home state of Virginia, all right, had been run by an aunt. And this is after she's taught at other places. And like we said, Lots of things had gone on in these women's lives that I really encourage people to look at the book and, and do a little bit more research on their own. But Virginia starts teaching there, and at first, as usually happened, when it's just Virginia, 
things seem to go okay. It's when the other two show up that things start to go downhill. So very soon after her two sisters show up, there is a student at the Montgomery Female College who has an illegitimate baby, but rather than it you know, being secreted away to an orphanage or something like that, as was often the case in those days, this baby just disappears. No one knows what happens to it. They killed it. That's okay. very likely. Mary Sneed. So Mary Sneed is, remember, the one who's also the mother-in-law yes. to O.C. Has another son besides the one that O.C. married. And this is maybe why he just up and fled away to Canada and changed his name and never had any contact with them again. He had a brother named John. John was with Mary while Mary and the other two were at the Montgomery Female College. And over the course of a period of time, John has all of these really weird accidents. One time he falls partially into like this this water, a place where they were holding water, and he says, well, he was trying to measure it, and then he fell in. And there's a lot of things like this until finally he's found burned to death in his bed. What? Yes. Now, okay, so my thing (laughs) is, if this man, O.C.'s husband, grew up being abused from his mom and his aunts, and he now he decides, I'm going to flee, I'm going to run away, I'm going to change my name, no one's going to hear from me again, why not take your wife? That I have no idea. And remember, O.C. very likely had been also abused right because they're first cousins on top of this and these three women have despite the fact that two of them had married are constantly coming back together and these things are happening so here's the craziest part so he's found burned to death in his bed his death is ruled a suicide who lights himself (laughs) on fire but once again there are also sizable life insurance policies that have been taken out and were collected by the three sisters. And with a little bit further investigation, O.C.'s mother had very likely probably killed her husband and another child she had, a boy named Hugh, who had died back in 1888 after falling down the stairs. But it's probably very likely, once again, he had a little help in that fall. He was probably pushed. Yes. What the, I, that it's, I still don't understand how he didn't just take his wife. Especially, like, you, if this is happening to you, you guys are related. You know it's probably already been happening to her a lot of her life. Why not take her with you? I, that is a question for the ages. I don't, I, I don't know... Even if he wasn't happy in the marriage and didn't want... At least save her life and get her out of there. You selfish bastard. (laughs) Like, what? You just leave her there for them to kill her. I don't know. And very... I don't know that... 
maybe he felt like you know that would ruin his own chances i'm sure that you know there's obviously there had to have been a level selfish of selfishness bastard. yes and like i said he had to have known what happened to his brother he probably knew what had happened to this other cousin his uncle and like i said these are not the only ones there seem to be many many other cases out there so this has been the story of the black sisters of christiansburg and by the way the reason they were called the black sisters was they were always dressed in black, in black. which so, which makes sense given the fact black. that yes they were covered or surrounded by death all the time. I I honestly had no idea what to expect from this case because again I stopped I read like a sentence into it I was like I'm done I can't mm-hmm. look I was not expecting this that was a lot. I feel like somebody needs to make a mini series about this, like yes. HBO or Net- Netflix. Somebody needs to pick this TNT's up. TNT has been doing some do- yes. Oh, off subject. Did you see? Have you watched any of it yet? I did. I okay. Did. Yes. <laughs> we might want to talk. Um, it's called I Am the Night. TNT is yes. doing a new series, a uh, limited series. I'm very excited about it. I watched the first episode. And it, it follows a young girl who is very closely involved. Would, would that be the mm-hmm. right word? In the death of the Black Dahlia. Right. Which is... So do you know very much about that part of the case? So, no. Okay, no, 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 so... No. I, 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 I looked it up after I watched Okay, that. yeah. So yeah. we won't we won't give away too much for our listeners because this will still be ongoing when this podcast yeah. drops. So let's wait. We'll wait till the series has wrapped up and maybe yeah. we'll pay a little bit more love to it. But it is... It's based... At least in part. I mean, it's inspired. By yes, a true tangentially, story. on a book that was written by the son of the main character, this Doctor Egland, I believe is his last name. I think I'm misremembering it, but anyway, he he believes that his own father murdered the Black Hodel. Yeah. Isn't his last name Hodel? Hodel. That's it. That's Hodel? it. Yeah. What am I talking about? I told you I can't remember the guy's name. So, <laughs> but yes, yes, and so. Several years ago, this guy wrote this book claiming that his father, Dr. Hodel, probably murdered the, the Black Dahlia. And, and others. And others yeah. as well. And so the book, of course, you know, caused a lot of attention at the time. And then I think that's tying into the series. Yeah. So. Well, so I, of course, everyone almost, I feel like even if you're not into the whole true crime thing, everyone knows about the Black Dahlia. Yes. And I have listened to podcasts on it. I never really did any dig deep digging. I did look at some crime scene photos, which was Don't almost... do that. Don't do that. Oh, listeners. I love crime scene photos. I've talked no. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I love crime scene not photos. Not those, not those. They were rough, mm-hmm. but I love I love crime scene photos. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's a strange thing. <laughs> See, and I have I've done deep deep research into the Black Dahlia. And so and part of that was because one of my favorite movies is The Untouchables with Elliot Ness and Elliot Ness was tangentially related to this case as well because a lot of people thought that whoever murdered the Black Dahlia had also been responsible for the Cleveland Torso murders which Um, are just bonkers crazy I don't know if you've ever looked at those I haven't looked at I have not that's a yeah there's there's one to look up for you and that has a lot of similarities and Elliot Ness investigated those crimes which by the way were never solved so and a lot of people feel like that really damaged him in very profound ways so but yes so (laughs) 
lots of craziness here. We truly do have female serial killer killers here, a family of them. Like I said, there's just so much to this case that we don't even have time to really, I don't yeah. think, go into. But I think there's it's craziness. Crazy. I think it's crazy that because you hear about it a lot nowadays in kind of early, I'm going to go with like 90s, the early 80s mm-hmm. and 90s, of people taking out these life insurance policies. Right. I never realized that it went back so far of people yes. doing this. Yes. Hmm. A lot of murderers have done that, actually. I, you know, it's it's amazing to me how many did it on people that they necessarily... I, I believe H.H. H. Holmes even did that with some of his victims. This will honestly stay with me because if I ever get married and my husband starts taking out these life insurance policies, I'm going to get sketched out. That's right. And I'm going to think he's going to try to kill me. I would feel the same way, I have to admit. That would be a very big red flag. So, yeah. And like I said, the idea, too, that here, you know, this is a mother doing more than one mother. I mean, we have multiple mothers murdering their own children here. Yeah. Is horrific also. I just, I can't imagine that. So. Yeah, it's, that's a lot. A lot of craziness here. So uh-huh. good old Southern Gothic horror <laughs> story. Finally got a real female serial killer yeah. in our tale. I don't count Lavinia. She didn't uh, no. Well, justice for Lavinia. <laughs> so, thanks for listening. Tune in on Thursday for Kaylin's case. Yes. All right. Go follow our Facebook, our Instagram, and our Twitter. We also have a discussion group on Facebook if you would like to join. Yes, and please, this case, lots to discuss. The Toy Box Killer case, lots of loose ends to discuss. Yeah. So, go join us. Thank you for listening.